This is Paul Redmond, Director of Student Experience and Enhancement. This is Gita Sedgi, Senior Lecturer in the Department of Chemistry. Rachel Collins, Student Success Manager. Kate Murray, Project Officer and Lead for the Pilot of PAL. And you are listening to the Academy's Developing Practice Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Academy's Developing Practice podcast. In this episode, we chat with various colleagues about the university-wide implementation of peer-assisted learning and what it will look like in the next academic year. We hope you enjoy. Paul, Gita, Rachel and Kate, we're really pleased to be speaking to you today. We're delighted to talk to you about the university-wide implementation of the peer-assisted learning and what this will look like in the next academic year. But before we get started, it would be great if you could introduce yourselves and tell us about your roles at the university. So Paul, if we could start with you, please. Hi, I'm Paul Redmond. I'm Director of Student Experience and Enhancement. Uh, So I oversee uh, a range of different teams that are all here to enhance the experience of our students at university. So we have lots of involvement right from uh, the, the minute students arrive at the university right through to graduation and beyond into their careers. So we're all about making sure they have a fantastic experience at the university. Great, thank you, Paul. Geeta, if we hand over to you. Uh, I'm a senior lecturer in the Department of Chemistry and my teaching philosophy is to provide an inclusive teaching and learning environment for a diverse community of students. Uh, Therefore, one of the areas of my practice in uh, peer-assisted learning or PAL. And uh, now I am honored to be part of this group and I am very excited about the support the academic staff will receive uh, from our career and employability services to implement PAL in the next academic year. Great, thank you, Gita. Rachel, if I hand over to you next. Hi, so I'm Rachel Collins and I head up the student success team. Um, and we focus on three areas, inclusion, experience, and enterprise. And it's all about enhancing the student journey, ensuring that students feel like they're confident, they belong, um, and they're well enough to go on and um, succeed in the best way possible. Brilliant. Thanks, Rachel and Kate. So I work under Rachel in the student success team. A major part of my role is to look at student inclusion and peer-to-peer provision across the university. So I've been working on the implementation of the PAL pilots and I also lead on the Digital Coaches Accelerator programme as well. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Well, it's it's really nice to see new faces on the podcast with us. Um, Gita, this is your third time on the podcast, isn't it, now? <laughs> yes. You've almost as done many episodes as I have. Um, brilliant. It's great to have you all with us. I think the very first thing that um, I need to ask, because you've all mentioned it in your intros, is around peer-assisted learning. So let's just get down to the basics of that. What is peer-assisted learning? And then tell us why the university is launching this. Well, if I, if I start by saying why, why we're so keen to, to, um, to launch this, of course, we, we have an expert in our midst with Gita. Um, and 
Kate and Rachel, I've been talking about this for some time, thinking about how uh, we, we know that the, the, the literature shows how effective peer assisted learning is. There's some great literature uh, that shows us how, how, how much uh, students benefit from peer assisted learning. So we've been keen to try this out uh, and, and to introduce it. Of course, Geet has been running with a, a programme really effectively that she'll talk about. Uh, so we know it works, we know it's really effective. and. We've been really keen to extend and to extend the program to get more of our students involved. We want more of our students to benefit from this, uh, and we've been just really excited to have the opportunity. And then COVID hit, um, and of course that that you know it feels that we had to, we all had to work uh, remotely, um, and and that's that's had an impact on 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 our plans. But there's a real opportunity now for this new academic year uh, to to roll this out to get students involved so we know it works we know it's really effective and, and and we know we know that our students really benefit from additional support so this this cohort of students have been through a tough time uh, and we want to give them every advantage as possible um, when they come back to university so they can benefit from it um, but we also know and again Gita's perfectly place to tell about tell us about this that it's not just the, the student who's 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 in the receipt of, of peer assisted learning that benefits it's the person who's providing it as well who also benefits so we think there's it's a win-win for uh, for all our students so we're just really keen to to, uh, to to roll this out this year in Liverpool yeah I mean I'll just I'll just build on that so obviously as Paul said you know the pandemic hit last year and Kate was um already kind of running a peer mentoring service and this is a kind of natural progression evolution for us and um, what we found was students wouldn't um, necessarily just come and reach out to us um, but we found that by pairing them up through sort of PAL that was already operating they would as a byproduct they would connect with students and get the emotional support that they needed um, during those sessions. I mean, we do quite a bit of um, sort of peer-to-peer uh, -peer work already right across the institution. And what we found is that actually, instead of being a passive recipient of knowledge, students, if they learn how to co-explore and take ownership and accountability for their own learning, they actually, this promotes responsibility. And this is a skill that we feel, you know, support them throughout their their life really and i just wanted to add that why now in fact in pandemic in so many ways has helped that because one of the issues we had in the past was finding the venue and timetabling the sessions now um, our experience in chemistry last year shows that it went very well online and uh, we had uh, attendance was higher than ever it, it's really interesting, isn't it? We've we've done many podcasts now in this sort of format where we've been online and many people have said, they've been explaining something to us and they've said, and then the pandemic hit. And it either scuppered the things that were being planned or it really accelerated it and made it better in some cases. So that seems to be the case with this. So what, what are you trying to achieve uh, with this? So, and why is it so important for the incoming students? 
Matt, could I just add something yeah. to the previous question? I was just thinking about that in light of the pandemic and what you were just saying. I think people have kind of understood the importance of collaboration. So when I've been liaising with academics, they've really been keen to get involved because they can see that importance in light of what's happened and how we can work together. They can work more with students and students can support each other and how having that different channel of support can just really help and make things more streamlined in terms of like extracurricular support and, you know, assisting them with where they are struggling. So I think that's something I've heard a lot whilst I've been, you know, implementing this as well. So collaboration is a, is a big one and, and, and another major reason for me on why peer-to-peer -peer support is important. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a great opportunity for us this coming academic year to to pilot POW uh, in a in a cross section of different academic subjects. It's a chance to you know different disciplines, different faculties, to build on on Geeta's experience and to roll this out into onto a wider um, range of academic disciplines. So that's that's what we're looking to do to try. And I, you know, we're, we're we're so excited about it, and and I think we're we're going to learn a lot from it as well in, in, in actually rolling this out, giving colleagues um, from different disciplines and groups of students from different disciplines a chance to try it out. We're going to learn a lot about how PAL can work best in, in, in our university. So I think I think in a sense, you know, it's, it's going to really benefit students, uh, but we'll also learn from this year. I think we're, we're going to learn a lot from it um, here. So I think I think there's lots of benefits from us, uh, you know, in, in that respect. So, so yeah, the, the time um, is right, I think, for us, um, you know, to roll this out now. And particularly, as I said, again, for our incoming students who we know they've, they've missed chunks of their um, sixth form experience. They've, you know, they've, they've had some challenges. So um, the more we could do to make them feel confident, to make them feel um, involved with other students, to make friends with other students, to really have a strong sense of belonging, that's, that's what we're really keen to do. And we know from, again, from the research, from, from Gita's experience, we know that this is a great way of doing that. Yeah, and we want, we want students to have the same experience across the board. So as we've already mentioned, you know, there are, there are really good examples of it operating successfully across the institution, but not all students have access to this. Um, and we know that there is a need. So, you know, that's really important that we, we're offering the same experience to everybody um, and I also think you know this peering collaborative learning helps to foster creativity experimentation problem solving learning new concepts and students can do this in a kind of non-threatening um, environment somewhere where they feel comfortable and they're able to kind of ask those questions that they might be too worried to ask maybe an academic supervisor. So Rachel, can I just pick up on that? You said earlier it's about supporting struggling students and, and you mentioned the word emotional. So is it to do with their kind of emotional support or is it support around the discipline specific questions that they might feel nervous about asking an academic about? What, what kind of support are we talking about? So it is academic support um, and, you know, we'll have specific modules that the students will focus on, um, which Kate and Geeta will probably talk a bit more about later. But as a byproduct, um, what we find is that students can actually um, gain emotional support. So they might ask those questions that they wouldn't necessarily 
um, just come up and ask one of our peer mentors that they've not had any kind of engagement with previously or they can't kind of relate to. This is a peer that they can relate to. They have like a, this sort of like a, a conversation that is already begun about their academic work, but they could ask questions around where's good to go in Liverpool or, you know, questions around where, um, how do you join societies, things like that, which will kind of just break down so many barriers. So it's primarily the academic, but as a byproduct, it's the emotional. There's um, one point that Paul made around sixth form my daughter's in that in that category she's had a, a difficult experience at college you know traveling well trying to get a bus which only had five seats available being one of them and then the experience of being in a college and not really having the same experience as you know people that have been older than it so that thing around belonging makes a load of sense when you come to university to have that sort of connection to people so is the scheme aimed at supporting first years only Matt, so in answer to that question, for the pilot specifically, we have chosen to focus on first year students. Um, this is just so that we can get a really good measurable outcome and we can really rate the success of the programme for the first year running. However, it is a pilot, so we would look to expand upon that provision. And, you know, in, in years to come, we'd like to be providing that level of support to all students, including undergraduate and PG students as well. Um, so certainly first years for this year, but definitely looking to expand upon that. And also, you know, I'm open to hearing from academics if they know that there's some provision needed within a particular module in terms of how we can kind of implement that next academic year as well. So I can very much see um, the benefit of this programme for the students, but also as a, a previous academic, I can really see um, the benefit for the academics themselves in terms of giving that next level of support that we all want to give our students. Um, so Kate, can you tell us about the academic lead for the programme? Should this necessarily be the module leader, for example? Yes, so a good question. Um, I know in the guide we have referred to the academic lead as someone who knows about the module. Ideally, though, it would be the, the module leader. So in this instance, we have geography and planning on board. We have physics, economics and law. This is for the pilot year. And all module leaders are acting as the academic lead. I feel like this really helps, particularly for the pilots, because it allows them to kind of ascertain the course materials that they'd like to share with students, those areas where students have been struggling as well. As part of this implementation, we did um, reflect on, on those areas with the academics to, to kind of specify what would be the best module in terms of support area for students with the, the pilots. Um, so we do feel like the academic lead is best suited. Um, however, if you know there needed to be some flexibility in terms of resource or lack of resource in a particular school and they needed someone else to get on board, the whole point of peer assisted learning is that it is flexible so we would be open to that as well it, it's not kind of rigid and, and set in stone sorry also uh, this is possible to do it having academic lead as a module leader the next academic year but when the scheme extends and covers more modules it's not possible however this is the best approach as Kate says because 10 years ago when I started this scheme I started with my module, with challenging module, mathematics, one is challenging for chemistry students, 
and now it covers all year one modules. So it doesn't matter if now I'm the module leader or not as an academic. But in first instance, when we smart, we start from small scale is helpful. Fantastic. And then there's a number of other roles, aren't there, Gita, that support that academic lead. So in your documentation, you talk about the PAL coordinators, the subject leaders, the PAL leaders. Could you tell us a bit more about those roles, please? Yeah, as Kate said, this is not like uh, the uh, structure we say and we say everyone should follow that, but this is something it has worked the past 10 years in chemistry and other departments within the University of Liverpool and outside, but it could be tailored to the requirement of each department. We have PAL coordinators, subject leaders and leaders. PAL coordinators basically coordinate the whole team they, uh, the duties are to liaise with all leaders and participants, assign each session to one or two subjects, allocate enough leaders to each session, to get subject leaders to prepare the session plans, to inform the academic lead of any issues and suggested changes, they observe PAL sessions, they collect attendance data, etc. And usually we have two PAL coordinators. Again, it, should, it could be more. Um, I worked with um, two PAL leaders and one year six PAL leaders, but the best approach was having a pair coordinating the scheme. And then um, subject leaders, they are usually year three experienced leaders who organize the preparation and updating of session plans and they liaise with student coordinators regularly. We usually uh, assign two subject leaders to each modules. And finally, leaders are year two, three, and four students who've completed PAL training. They prepare for sessions and they facilitate discussions in sessions for lower year students. And uh, the number of leaders depend on how, um, the size of the cohort. Fantastic. So all of those roles are student roles, Gita, and I just, I think it's brilliant the impact that having those roles would have for those students. But I wondered if you could just tell us about some of your experience of the impact that this scheme has had on those students in terms of the development of their, we've been told, haven't we, Matt, not to use the word soft skills because they're all skills, but those additional skills um, away from the kind of uh, discipline specific learning they, 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 it's very important like uh, the enhance for leaders and the coordinators to enhance their employability skills, transferability skills, and especially leadership skills. So I can tell you, I wanted to um, say later, but that's the, I think, a, a time to include that, that it's uh, one of the approaches, one of the importance of this scheme is enhances leaders employability and I use every opportunity to um, enhance this skill. For example, I ask students for applications or expression of interest to recruit them as leaders. After a year of leadership experience, I ask students to step in to become a subject leader when they have more experience and then they can apply for coordination of the scheme later on. I believe this leadership progression path from a leader to subject leader to coordinator enhances the students' employability and what they're gonna 
experience later on in real life. So that's uh, one of the important aspects of um, PAL for leaders. That's great. And I see from the documentation that the PAL coordinator is listed as the year, a year four role. Um, so in some schools, for example, like Olms, the year four roles only exist if a student has done a year in industry. So is that, does that still work for third year students if that's their final year? Yeah, definitely it does. Our chemistry coordinators are here for the students because they are the most experienced students. Of course, they could be year three students in other departments. And as I said, my rationale was like to have like a progression path for leadership for students. So if in one department, year three students are the most experienced, yes, of course, they can be power coordinators. Great. And I guess that then works down in terms of the subject leads and the PAL leads. It just depends on, on the profile of the programme that you're working with. Yes, for subject leader is a bit different. In theory, yes, they can be from any year. And um, the structure of PAL in chemistry is um, suggested to colleagues to ensure they have a format they can work with and they can tailor this structure to the requirement of the program, department, and the students. In um, my experience, there are some key elements like timetabling or session plan. It has to be done. Other things can be adopted. For example, having year three coordinators instead of year four. However, about a subject leader, I recommend assigning year three students as subject leader, not year two, because year two students are new to the scheme. They need one year to gain confidence and um, expertise in the scheme before becoming a subject leader. Nevertheless, if there are some students who have the knowledge, skills, and confidence in their year two, want to be a subject leader, I don't see a problem. I'm just going to throw a question out to everybody. When we're talking about the PAL leaders and subject leaders, what are we talking in terms of the time commitment um, from, those, from those students? I would say um, because we have a split duties between three groups of leaders, they need about a couple of hours per week coordinators, subject leaders, or leaders themselves, because we have a split duties between them. Yeah, we, we've certainly recommended that it's a few hours per week. However, um, we do have to bear in mind that they are students and they are studying. So a major part of the training that I deliver will be around, you know, commitments, expectations, and how they can manage their time. And most importantly, who they can go to if they need more support. Um, Rachel agree, will agree with me on this. It's as much about their well-being as it is their peers and their fellow students. So we'll ensure that you know effective communication, effective training takes place so they're aware of what they should and shouldn't be doing. You know, if they were getting inundated with queries, um, someone else would need to kind of step in there and, and support them. So they need to know who they need to go to, whether that be the academic lead or ourselves. You know, we're always there as well. Yeah, I th yeah, that's a good point, Kate. And I think um, we gen we do a general session on uh, when to refer. So anything could crop up in these sessions and students need to know 
what their boundaries are and who they should uh, be referring the students to. And as Kate said, their well-being is as important and we don't want anyone to have any kind of um, burden on them placed by you know a peer so that that is very much involved in the training that Kate will will offer yeah that's why I asked the question because I was thinking these students obviously got a lot on the plate so you know adding adding a couple of hours in isn't isn't like a, a huge onerous thing but I guess what the, the benefits are obvious aren't they because you we've already talked about those um those soft skills for want of a better word but time management and organization and all those things will just come out of those as well so yeah it, I think it's really important um that also leads me on to another question and so talking about those roles if we've got a, a smaller group of students can those roles be condensed into into one and I'm talking about PAL leaders subject leaders PAL coordinators Yes, certainly. So going back to that flexibility of the programme and it being the pilot, um, we were really keen to work with economics. They had a clear understanding of the programme, but they also felt that given they had a smaller cohort of students, just the ease of access and to make it as streamlined as possible, they thought it'd be more beneficial if the role, the basically the three roles were amalgamated into one. Um, they felt that students would get more support if it worked like this, and then that students would be more likely to apply as well. So after a, a long meeting with them and trying to kind of figure out the best way that it would work, we came to the, the conclusion that that would be okay in this instance. So I think they would be working with a particularly small number so the, the PAL leaders in this instance will take on the role of subject lead and PAL coordinator and work closely with the academic leads as well. That's important. Um, so Alessandro, who will be their academic lead, is really keen to kind of get on board and support them as much as possible. And he will probably have more contact with them, given that it's, it's such a small number. What numbers are we talking in relation to that example, Kate? Yeah, so in relation to economics, we're talking about 40 students. However, um, they said it might be more 20 students that get involved with the pilot. Right. So at max 40, but most likely 20, 20 students. Okay, yeah, it's good to know the sort of size of the of the numbers involved there, isn't it? When, especially when you're condensing that, that role down. Yeah. Right. It sounds, Kate, that you very much want to make the programme bespoke to each school or each department or each programme that, it, that it's going to be running in. Um, so in terms of the approach to the subject matter covered in each of the sessions, will that also be adapted to meet the needs of the school or the module? Yeah, so I think there's probably two um, responses I can give there. So for the former part of what you were just talking about, I think it's important to to emphasise that it should be bespoke. We want to see peer-assisted learning across the whole university. At the moment, this is a central offer in terms of the pilot, but when we see it expand or what we'd like to see it expand, it's got to be bespoke because it's got to fulfil the needs of whatever school is involved um, and whatever course they will have different requirements, different needs. So certainly, yes, happy for it to be bespoke. Um, in terms of your second question and the, the course content and what's covered in the sessions, again, it does very much depend on the nature of the subject. So obviously in science and engineering, we're more likely to see it being very specific, um, probably more quantitative, whereas with HSS, so we've got economics and law on board. When I've met with the academics, they've spoken about, you know, potentially 10 questions 
um, covering a specific subject matter for students to expand upon, our leaders rather. And then it could be more discussion based as well. And also that, that can then be fed back to the academic lead in terms of how the students have improved at, in terms of their understanding of that content. Certainly, whatever format, it could be that students were, we've spoken about this briefly as well. I think I spoke about one with one of the previous PAL leaders. It's that group effort. It could be that they make notes together on post-its and kind of stick ideas on the wall. We very much want it to be as creative as possible. Um, whatever's best for the students. Geeta, I'm not sure if you, you can expand on that as well. I completely agree and every year we, we've, run, we've run it in the past 10 years and every year we change the scheme because new coordinators come in, step in and they have their initiative. Um, I'm always open to suggestions and after all, if the scheme they run for students and also in ID departments, already they run it in, uh, at University of Liverpool. We have different formats, different structures. Some of them, they um, even adopted dropping sessions instead of a whole structure, uh, PAL sessions. Although I always uh, recommend uh, uh, a structured session for PAL. Yeah, that's important actually. Um, just to highlight what Gita said, again, going back to the training, we will be training all of the PAL roles in terms of how to structure a session with students. Structure is so important. You know, we want there to be a learning outcome at the end of these. That's the, the, the main purpose. So we need to ensure that that structure's in place so that they can outline, you know, correctly with the students what to expect, what they'll gain from the session. So that if they don't gain that, they can say, listen, I need more support. This isn't really working for me. Um, and we feel that because it is peer-led, they'll be able to do that with their fellow students because it should be more informal. It should be more of a conversational piece around that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's informal. But what you're what you're doing is putting the scaffolding around them to be able to, yeah. to, to do that confidently, I guess. And obviously you're, you can, you'll be the sounding board if they need to come back to anybody about session plans and etc yeah yeah definitely in terms of session plans in terms of content i can't claim to be um, an engineer or scientist i'm certainly not so we would definitely say that go back to the academic but we would always be in communication with the academics as well it's not you know it can't be too onerous on the students yeah nobody's left all the it seems like it's yeah. a well supported uh idea yeah yeah So previously, we mentioned uh, the time and the, and the time commitment for PAL leaders. Is there any way that that time can be formally recognised? Yeah, so in fact, we have the HERE accreditation in place for the programme. Um, we've just put this to my Liverpool and they've approved it. So basically, each student has to participate in seven hours worth of activity in any given scheme. Um, and obviously, they will definitely commit to seven hours with peer assisted learning um, and then at the end of their time at the university so the end of their undergraduate degree and um, the here accreditation will then be on their student transcripts it's not that it's just an accreditation though I feel like with the here it gives the students an opportunity to reflect on those skills so we were talking about professional skills when they have those interviews with employers 
it, it's a it's a documentation that they can look upon to see actually yeah I gained leadership skills I gained listening skills I'm now able to reflect and articulate on that experience on a professional level so I think it also gives it gives them that opportunity as well it's not another accreditation it's also another experience for them to to talk about yeah and that's what employers are really interested in an interview isn't it the story that goes behind that little sentence in the cv that said you know i i supported this that and the other and i helped with this with these leadership attributes they want to know how that was done and why that was done and what was the outcome of it so they're really interested in those stories which this definitely provides for them we met with various PAL leaders, didn't we, Rach, when we were implementing the scheme in the early days? And it was so evident how they could articulate those skills to us and how beneficial they found it. I think that was the one thing we really noticed when we were talking with them. I think it really bolsters their own confidence um, in general. And then obviously with that, they then go on and use that to their advantage. Kate, that all sounds really um, interesting. And you're launching this all this September, September 2020. So what's your next step? What's the first thing that you're going to do to launch the programme and the pilot, the pilot programme? Yeah, so I should emphasise that there's two facets to the pilot. So we have economics and law um, commencing the pilot in September. And from January, it will be physics and geography and planning taking part in the scheme. We were really keen to ensure that students got the chance to meet with each other. Um, obviously, after all, it is peer-assisted learning, so that's really vital. Um, but we felt that it was a virtual programme, so we are having the sessions run virtually. But for the first meet, we want that to be in person. So we've worked with academics to um, finalise dates in their calendars, whether they can meet with students and students can meet with each other, so that they can put a face to a name and so that when the sessions start, they feel comfortable enough to work with each other and ask questions as well. So we have um, two in-person events taking place during Welcome Week for Law and Economics. So the Law session will take place on the Friday, I believe, and the Economics session will take place on the Thursday. So that's 23rd and 24th of September. For um, the science and engineering subjects, those dates are yet to be finalised, but academics are really keen and also feel it's vital for them to meet with students and for, for students to interact with each other as well in person. So we will be finalising dates for them in due course. So in our reading list for the podcast, we've got a lot of resources. I've seen we've got the guide will be in there, but is there anything else that the students can access? Yeah, certainly feel that resources are a major part of any peer-to-peer programme. Um, I know with all our peer-to-peer provision, we ensure that there's you know, a vast amount of resources for students to refer to at all times. And um, that was really evident with the peer mentoring programme that I was leading on in previous years with our career coaches, which Rach will agree with, and our digital coaches in the Digital Accelerator programme. So we didn't want it to be any different with PAL. And obviously from running peer mentoring, I already had a lot of resources that I could share with students that were particularly relevant in terms of peer offering peer-to-peer support to fellow students. So all that will be included. Any training that we deliver will be included as well. And it will all be shared on our PAL hub. So we've been working very closely with Joe Stanley, who's a previous PAL leader um, and has worked very closely with Peter. And he has coordinated as a Canvas coach, he has coordinated and put together this brilliant um, 
set of pages for us, all dedicated to this PAL pilot scheme. So each subject area will have a dedicated page that students can go to. Some resources will be generic, some will be provided by academics as well. And this is a place where all course materials will be shared. So um, PAL leaders can go to that specific area to kind of figure out what they're going to be talking about that specific week. I mean, they'll have those conversations with subject leads too. However, it's just another place and another way of accessing information. Um, for us, it needs to be as accessible as possible and everyone learns in different ways. So if they can always go back to a piece of training, to a resource and look at it in their own time when it's convenient for them, um, that, that's important. So yeah, all resources will be on there. Brilliant. Thanks, Kate. And we'll definitely make uh, a link to that in the show notes as well. Wonderful. Thank you, colleagues. It's been really interesting chatting to you and hearing about this programme. And I know, Geeta, we talked a little bit about your work around PAL um, in our other podcast with you around your National Teaching Fellowship. So listeners might want to listen to that podcast as well. Maybe you'll come back and um, in a year's time and tell us how your pilot has gone. We would love to hear um, the impact that this has. It there seems to be such value um, for the students involved. So it would be really exciting to hear how it goes this year. This podcast is called the Developing Practice Podcast, and we love to finish each recording with three or four kind of take home tips that the listeners can reflect on in terms of their own personal practice. So to end, if you could give us a tip each um, to reflect on in relation to your practice, what would it be? Paul, if we could start with you, please. Sure. So I, I think um, one thing that we really have to focus on this coming year is student um, mental health and well-being. And I, I've been looking at the NHS five, um, five steps to mental well-being. And I think peer-assisted learning ticks off at least four of those. So connect to other people, tick, uh, learn new skills, tick, give to others. Yes, yeah, sure, but, you know, people are actually supporting other students uh, and, and pay attention to the present moment. I think there's something about that. It grounds students in the present moment. Um, so I think it's a great, a great way of helping student well-being and particularly mental health well-being and uh, the only the only uh, the only uh, ways uh, that aren't covered i think directly uh, is be physically active uh, but hopefully you know if students can really get their academic skills uh, and their learning developed then they'll have more time to go and be physically active so from for me it ticks off all the five steps to well-being wonderful thank you paul Peter, if we come to you next uh, my take-home tip is for my colleagues who lead PAL in their department or school. I would like to emphasize the importance of the role of the academic lead and how our commitment and passion for PAL influences aspiring student leaders, which ultimately results in a successful scheme. Students run this scheme for students while the academic uh, lead oversees the process and steps in when required. However, leader must feel fully supported by the academic lead and uh, that someone is there backing them up and tackling issues when they need help. As uh, academics, we need to inspire leaders and inform them that we value their contribution and we know how vital their role is this is a genuine student staff partnership 
and we need to consider these leaders as our colleagues who we work with. Wonderful, thank you, Gita. Rachel, if I come to you next. Yeah, I would say um, my tip is just to stay curious and to constantly horizon scan and take advantage of opportunities. So if we use PAL as an example, you know, students will gain so much from it, but um, as it is, but just thinking about the networks that they'll create and how to kind of harness those networks and how to use them to the best of their advantage. But more generally, just, you know, that horizon scanning piece and curiosity that will just support them in so many ways and give them new creative ideas uh, to move forward with. And Kate, if we finish with yourself. Yeah, I think it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about collaboration. And I suppose it's for wider university colleagues here, you know, if they can identify an area or a particular school subject area where module rather, where they think that peer-to-peer -peer support could be useful, reach out to us and we can work with them to get that implemented next year. I think peer-to-peer -peer provision is so important and something that we should do more of. So yeah, any opportunity to do more of it. <laughs> Thanks for your time today. It's been really good to speak. Well, it was great to hear from colleagues there from the university and discussing and PAL. It's clear that this cohort has obviously been through a tough time with the pandemic. And this strategy is designed to provide any additional support that they might need. I really like the idea of the students in the higher years gaining skills and experiences that they can use at interview. So it's not just the first years that get a lot out of peer assisted learning, but so do those assisting them. Yeah, I think you're right. I really liked, I think it was what Rachel was saying about how the whole concept of peer assisted learning is that instead of them being passive recipients of knowledge, PAL focuses on that kind of co-exploration, taking ownership of their learning and accountability. And as you're saying, they're all crucial skills for the future for those final year students, as well as the first years themselves. If you'd like to take your thinking further about this key topic, we've added some further resources to the website on a specific podcast reading list, and you can access that at liverpool.ac.uk forward slash the hyphen academy forward slash podcast. We also love to hear what you think about each episode, so please do tweet us at liveuniacademy, and you can also find us at elearnermat and at alexandra underscore owen on Twitter. And we're really grateful for those who have taken the time to either rate or review our show in your podcast providers app. So if you are an Apple user, please do take the time to review our show as it really will help others find us. Bye for now.